0: Welcome to another episode of Pull Yourself Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. I'm Jessica. And a little bit later, we're going to have a special guest. We we did hint about it last time, but it's our Macmillan rep, Jeff. And he's going to tell you a little bit about some books on Macmillan's fall list that Which are coming out. Very exciting. Yeah. We super, are, um, super
1: good list of books. Yes.
0: We're very excited about it.
1: So... Um, I guess Melissa has a couple of books she wants to talk about, or at least one to start.
0: Yeah, okay, so um, I've talked before about how I'm in, like, these postal book Mm -hmm. clubs. Um, So one of the ones that I had signed up for, and these are all, like, through Litzy, which if nobody, if people haven't heard of Litzy, it's basically, like, Instagram and Goodreads had a baby, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's lots of... Um, book clubs and book groups on there that do like buddy reads and do book swaps and that kind of stuff Um, but so one of them was a mystery swap and I specifically signed up for this because I felt like it was one of the genres that I don't read a lot of, mm-hmm. just in
1: general, like I don't pick them up. No, it's true, and uh, but I always enjoy them yeah. when I do. I'm right. like, why don't I read more mystery, and then, and yeah. then I don't.
0: I'm the same way, and I, I felt like it was a hole in sort of my book selling expertise too, like when people ask for recommendations, I, I, I know a few, but I don't really have a, a wide mm-hmm. breadth of things. So I've actually learned a lot of authors and read a lot of things in this swap that I've really enjoyed. Um, so this one, though, was a true crime book that somebody picked as part of the mystery swap. W- so it was nonfiction, um, mm-hmm. and it's called The Man Who Loved Books Too Much, and it's by a- Alison Hoover Bartlett. Is that possible? Um, well, it depends on what kind of love you have for them. Okay. So so this is, so Alison Hoover Bartlett, um, she got a book from one of her friends who got it from somebody he knew who said that they had checked it out of the library and never taken it back and so he was trying to get the book back to its original home but didn't know what library it had come from because it didn't have any library stamps or anything so she's looking at this book and it's like a really old copy of this obscure German book with all these beautiful plates and just gorgeous. And she's like, and you know this is stolen from somewhere. She's like, this was not a I checked you out of the library and I forgot to take you back situation. This is I swiped this from a library somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that got her started in this whole um, investigating book theft sort of thing. Um, And she was talking to... People at um, antique book fairs and book dealers and this kind of stuff, and she um, met this man named Ken Sanders, who owns a um, antiquarian bookstore in Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. and he is a member of the Antiquarian Booksellers Association, which is like the ABAA. Um, and at the time that he joined it, um, he didn't really have a a good system for dealing with book thefts, So mm-hmm. people would r- fill out this, like, form in triplicate, basically, and he would get the pink copies of, like, reports of books that had been stolen, but mm-hmm. they just really didn't ever do anything with them. Nothing ever came of it. The books were never recovered. Like, it, you know. So he decides that... He is going to update all of this stuff, and he's going to put uh, like a database together and um, an email chain. Like, so if there's a string of
1: thefts, that mm-hmm. if there's something similar with them, they can put all this information well, together. Actually, in Savannah, yeah, we we had somebody who uh, was a rare book thief and. Um, all the bookstores alerted each other and shared pictures and talked about his MO and
0: right. Yeah. So, so basically a national version of mm-hmm. that. Um, and so he starts getting these um, different um, theft notifications for um, books that are arranging, you know, sometimes 500 to a couple thousand, not mm-hmm. huge amounts of money, but still, you know, to, to a rare book dealer, the, it's a significant loss. Mm-hmm. Um, l- let's face it, nobody's in the book business to make tons of money. It just no. doesn't happen. Um, and he begins to piece together that the, the circumstances with these are all very similar and comes to the conclusion that it's one guy in, like, Northern California who's doing this. And um, so his name was John Gilkey. And I'm not going to explain how he did it because it's kind of ingenious, especially Mm -hmm. given the time that this was happening, how he went about doing this. Um, But so so Allison Hoover-Bartlett, like – does interviews with both Ken Mm -hmm. Sanders spends time with John Gilkey spends time at these book fairs and book festivals and stuff and you know talks to other stores who he's stolen from and
1: so just goes down a rabbit hole is he still out there in the world or he
0: as of the um ending of the book he was no longer in jail he went to jail a few different times for a few different things um Mm -hmm some books were recovered some books weren't it's a, it's a really interesting story and if you if you are interested in the world of antiquarian books or rare books mm-hmm. um it's kind of fascinating uh, it's just an it oh a quirky little it sounds niche book that it's it's good.
1: I, I feel sure you've ordered one for the store. Oh yeah, we
0: have it at the store. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I, I when 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 the opportunity presents itself, mm-hmm. I if you like need a, a little real life mystery, <laughs> yes, dip into that because um, Melissa and I have had a, a pretty heavy reading load of late. And yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So I'm going to talk about um, I'm going to talk about the book that I started talking about last week. James Baldwin's Go Tell It on the Mountain. Um,
0: Part of that heavy reading <laughs> load.
1: Part of that heavy reading load. Um, so I finished it this week um, because I was leading a book group. And um, and the writing is beautiful. He's, he's an amazing writer. Um, this book is autobiographical. But it is, it is very dark. Um, there's not a lot of happiness in it it's essentially um, talking about his relationship with his stepfather and um, really how no matter what he does, he cannot win the favor of his stepfather. And his stepfather, it comes out in the book, and and it's obvious from the beginning, is a a quite complicated man. And so the book is told in four parts, really, Um, the beginning where he explains sort of his situation and where he is in life and what his family is. And it's his birthday. It all takes place within a 24-hour period. Oh, wow. And so, so you you meet the main character, John, and the rest of his family. And then um, his stepfather is a preacher. Um, he's a deacon in a very Pentecostal church, sort of a storefront church in Harlem. And um, and. So you're introduced to sort of the congregation and really the child John, who's 14, so almost the young adult John, um, is very caught up in this world because there's not a lot of happiness or things to look forward to. And he, I mean, everything he thinks about, everything he looks at, he looks at as, oh, I, oh I, I've got to stop this. I'm sinning. This is a sin. Every, And so he's, he's just a pent up wound-up ball of, of anxiety, and, and, um, so things kind of come to a head where his brother is in a knife fight, and this happens right in the first part of the book, and is injured, and the whole family, his father, his father's sister, um, his mother, and the brother are together, and this huge argument ensues, and there's, you know, um, it's, a lot of it is taken out on his mother Elizabeth. The sister is sort of the tough voice of reason. Um, John ends up sort of escaping from this and goes to help start cleaning up the church for the night service. And he's with his, um, there's an older boy who is already a preacher, Alicia or Elijah, depending on how you read it. And, um, And they have a friendship. And so he helps him clean up the church, and then the whole family comes in, including his um, his aunt who never comes to church, and so you know something's going on there, and then it breaks up into three parts, and it's each person's prayer, where essentially they're saying their prayer, but they also go into their entire backstory, so you find out why they are where they are and what's really going on. And they um have well, that's come an th- interesting device like it to do it that way, like through it is the it's prayers. It it and they're all there. I don't want to spoil too much of it because there are very particular reasons why all of them are mm-hmm. in the church at that time. But um they've all come from the south and from some real oppression and horrible situations and um there's just, there just seems to be not a lot of ways out of this, mm-hmm. um, except for the next life, and really that's kind of what everyone is focusing on, but they're also focusing on settling scores in certain okay. ways, and by the end of the book, um, the night has, they prayed all night, and you go through everybody's backstory, and it's it's no surprise, John ends up having a revelation of sorts. um, And they end with everybody walking home at dawn. Uh, it's, It's a beautiful book. Um and James Baldwin said he had to write this book before he could write anything else to get this out of his system but
0: but you said- so you said it's autobiographical, but it is fiction kind of based on his real life
1: yes okay, it is um because you could never really be in someone else's head the way he is in these characters' right. heads um it yeah it's it's a difficult book um it it is um it, it takes a really hard look at religion and, um, and the way religion is used to manipulate and control people, um, their lives, their sexuality, their situation and station in society. If this was the only book I ever read about organized religion, I would <laughs> never go back to church again. All so. right. <laughs> um, but James Baldwin was a preacher for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, this, he really did have this revelation, and he said that, you know, preaching helped him with his writing, helped him to organize his thoughts. Um, so there's something good that comes out of everything, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, I think you should read it for yourself. And if you do, yeah, I'd love to discuss it more because there's a lot to unpack in this book uh, okay. about race relations, about um, the relationship between men and women um, in African American society, the relationship that the church plays, it, homosexuality. It's it's all in there. Okay. Um, but it was a hard read. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So going to something. Totally different. Okay, so anybody who's listened to any of these episodes knows that I've been harping on and on and on about Jim Butcher and putting out this new book in the Dresden Files, and my reread of all the books in the Dresden Files to get ready for the new book, which is out, and it's called Peace Talks, uh, and it's the 16th one in the series. So I have been, as I've said, reading the other ones out loud to my husband um, all the way through, so, you know,
1: Is this the same thing that Tanner is currently reading? It is the same thing that Tanner is
0: currently reading. So he, Tanner is on, he just finished the third one. So we just finished At Home um, Ghost Story, which is the 13th one in the series. And I wanted to talk about it specifically because it's so different from all the other books. Um, And um, I when i read it initially i had the same feeling and it's been several years since i had read it um, rereading it i i really enjoyed it just as much as i enjoyed it the first time if not more um so in this one so the main crux of this series is that um harry dresden is a professional wizard like he's Mm a pi in chicago um And he's part of the the White Council of Wizards. um, And he helps the police um, force in Chicago solve things of a supernatural bent. And there's a lot of those things. Well, of course. I mean, there's werewolves. There's necromancers. There's all kinds of shenanigans. As I always
1: always suspected.
0: Yeah. Um, But in this book, it's different because Harry finds himself without his powers and I won't get into why because that's a big spoiler for the series. But in this book, he doesn't have the powers that he normally has. And he has to learn how to help because he's very chivalrous and he has this big, like, I have to help my friends chip on his shoulder that, I mean, like, that's the most important th- thing for him throughout all of the books. Um, so he has to find a way to help. Without having his main weapon. And you also get a lot of Harry's backstory that you is hinted to in other books, but more of his relationship with his mentor and the guy who taught him um, how to be a wizard. And um, it's so well done because, it's so different from all of the other books. Like, the other books are fun, and there's a lot going on, and, like, Harry's a badass when he's, like, throwing fire around, and it, it's awesome, but this one, there's a lot more, and there's a, a much larger emotional um, part of this book than there normally is, and, like, <laughs> um, we had, like, 20 pages left in it, and, like, both... Uh, my husband Tim and I were broken down in like ugly crying (laughs) at the end of this book and I had read it before like I knew what happened but it's just so good Um, and so we've now moved into cold days so I only have two more books to read out loud before I can finally start the (laughs) new one so we're getting there I, I promise I'll stop talking about this. <laughs> no,
1: they they look wonderful. It's a series that at some point in my life I feel like I will pick up. I just um they're just super fun and
0: yeah. I mean it again, it's the kind of escapist mm-hmm. don't want super super heavy, just want something to lose yourself in and it's like the perfect world for that.
1: Yeah, no, I um I ended up normally I have a sort of fun book or a, a book that I can pick up and put down like Good Boy, which I finally finished. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! It was wonderful. <laughs> um, and, but I, I was, uh, had time issues, and so I was reading James Baldwin and listening to The Color Purple, mm-hmm. which um, Melissa and I both read recently for a book group, and they're two pretty heavy books. And yeah. um, <laughs> Although, I will say, compared to Go Tell It on the Mountain, The Color Purple is hopeful.
0: Um and I as I was reading it, I didn't feel that way. Like it it was a dark book and it there are a lot of terrible things that happen in it. And just because of the where the world is right now and just you know, like it it's just put me into a funk. And um it wasn't until we had our book club meeting and really discussed it and getting other people's perspective on it that I did get to see and appreciate some of the more hopeful parts of it. Um, uh, For one, just the relationships between the women in the book. Like, Mm -hmm. these women have terrible lives. They have horrible things happening to them. Um, them, The men in their lives are not good. They're being mistreated on so many different levels. But these women just have these super strong relationships where they – are able to build each other up in ways that it, you just don't think would be possible given what's going on in their lives. And it's just, it's an interesting it is. thing.
1: Yeah, I, yes, there were horrific things going on in their lives. I mean, absolutely horrific things going on in their lives. And of all of the society that they lived in, they were at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really, uh, you know, slavery... I guess in their world had been a generation or two before them, but not so that So this is happening
0: in between the world wars. So um, like the
1: 1920s. It's uh, the 1920s. Yeah. Um, and, but they, um, they're living in the South. Mm-hmm. They're living in Georgia. Um, they're, some of them have their own land. Some of them are sharecropping. There's one preacher who is actually one of the few good people in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they're they're just at the bottom. They have no agency in their lives whatsoever. Um, uh, although they do end up making agency in their lives They by, really, their relationships with each other. I will say the one thing that I found um, kind of
0: unbelievable about it... Um, I w- well, okay, let me say that having read a tale of two cities right before that (laughs) for this book club and how poorly dickens writes female characters um because they're just like cardboard cutouts essentially like they Mm -hmm. don't have personality um going from that to the color purple where these women are so multifaceted and so strong and very realistic seeming like
1: well, and I, in in this book, the men are more the cutouts. They're yeah, the men have almost they have almost the same personalities. I mean, they're all not great. No, not great. Um,
0: but the one thing I will say is I think the end, and
1: not I think the end wraps up too neatly. Uh, well, so I'm glad it ended the way it did because I just couldn't take anymore. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but. I, I think but it was
0: more satisfying for it to end that, the way that it did. But I feel like given the course of the book and all the things that are happening throughout the course of the book, I think it it wraps up too neatly. And that's, um, my, that's my one big complaint with it.
1: Well, I, I, I will say if everybody can get to the level of forgiveness an acceptance that they get to by the end of the book that there's some pretty amazing human beings. Well, the world would be a much better place if we could all get to that point. It would be wonderful. But, but it was a good read, and I highly recommend it. I mean, I think it is um, something on the list of books you should read for a reason.
0: Well, and I thought it was interesting. One of the members of the book club, um, her wife is um, African-American and was talking about what a touchstone of black culture the color purple both the book and the movie are mm-hmm. and how um on BET it's shown every Christmas the movie is and that and what an important part of black culture that it's become and I honestly had no idea and I'm really I'm I'm glad that I've read it and have been um have
1: experienced it so you know yeah no I, th- I think it is and um I have not seen the movie really I've only I've not seen, seen, seen parts the movie of it, So I, I think that should be a movie night I'm going to have to to (laughs) get the tissues out. I'm going to have
0: to gird my loins because, (laughs) you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's, um, yes. It's rough. (laughs) It is rough. Um, But there are happy parts in it, and there are joy. It it does seem like right when you get to a happy part, everything falls apart again, which is kind of like life. Yeah, so... um, Anyway, yeah, I, I would say we both recommend The Color Purple, mm-hmm. and um, I definitely recommend Go Tell It on a Mountain, but they were more difficult books, and they were, um, you know, I will never live the African-American experience. I can only live it through literature and film and, and educating myself mm-hmm. about what it's like, and I think they're two good books that are representative of, of some parts of that culture. Absolutely. Um, So you have another one? I have one more. This is my new um, pick up, put down, (laughs) pick up, put down (laughs) book because I want to read more poetry. I love poetry and I don't always make the time to read as much of it as I should. And so this book, Life of the Party, poems by Olivia Gatwood um, came to my attention through one of our book reps who had put a little clip of Olivia Gatwood reading one of her poems in with the, you know, sort of write-up about the book. And so I clicked on it, and I just fell in love with her. <laughs> she's so tough and brilliant and, like, so feisty and New York and Staten Island. And she's like everything I'm not. And, um, <laughs> and I just I just loved it. And I love the way she talks about relationships with women. And um, her first poem in the book... Um, is, I'm going to turn right here, and I won't read it because, you know, I think Melissa might jump over the table at me, (laughs) but it's called Girl, and um, just the beginning of it is, I don't think I'll ever not be one, even when the dozen grays sprouting from my temple take hold and spread like a sterling fungus across my scalp.
0: I feel like I've seen her like a video of her performing that particular poem. That's
1: because I turned it around on my desk and showed it to you. <laughs> when it was no, in I don't feel like it was there. Like I feel <laughs> like I saw that somewhere else. Well, she is. Um, so she has a big online presence, and she um, has a huge online fan base. And she does a lot of spoken word performances. So she's kind of all over the place. I feel and like, she's like femi- somebody
0: I'm friends with shared that on mm-hmm. Facebook or something. Like, I've s- I have know I've seen, like, because I remember that line. And I don't really read poetry. So that's not, this I, I, I haven't read it. <laughs> yeah,
1: So I'm going to put this out there that this is poetry for people who don't normally read poetry. That it's, it's almost, like, I would say this would be a great feminist book club book. Mm. Um, because she is a new feminist voice, really. And... She
0: um, Would you say it's comparable, like, in terms of audience, like, like people who would get into it, um, like, The Princess Saves Herself in this one, and, um, like, what's the... I um, would...
1: Milk and Honey. Because she does, she's um, received national recognition for being an educator in sexual assault and assault prevention and mm-hmm. recovery, and so that's kind of her thing. But the way she talks about it, to me, anyway, is just so different and so empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I know it's a little late in life at at my. It's <laughs> in my advanced years. It's never but too late to be empowered. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I just can't say enough good about this book. I love it. Um, life of the Party poems by Olivia Gatwood. Um, you can pick it up and put it down. And it really is poetry for people who don't read poetry all the time. But if you want to kind of challenge yourself and hear a new voice, if nothing else, go online <laughs> and look her up and let her read one of her poems to you. Um, and you might just be You hooked. might be a convert. You might be a convert. Um, and, yeah, I'm I'm proud of this generation, you know, because I am older. I feel like they are getting to say a lot of things that, I really wish I could have said when I was young and they're just not putting up with stuff anymore. And I think it's amazing and great. <laughs> so um, yes, life of the party.
0: All right. And now we're going to hand things over to Jeff and Jeff is going to tell us a little bit about stuff on the McMillan fall
1: list. So here we go. So Jeff, <laughs> yeah. welcome to our podcast. Um, Thank you. We're really glad you're here. Yes, and
0: so what are you excited about from uh Mcmillan's fall line
2: uh this fall i i I brought all yeah you know, a handful of books here that uh I think you'll be interested in some big books uh, a kid's book um yeah you know some just some of the neater things on the list.
0: I'm, I'm down well. for kids'
1: books because I'm pretty much a five-year-old, so, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, good. We'll start, well, good. Well, we'll
1: start also, with Also, I, I think it's by one of our favorite authors, isn't it? I think it is. I think it yeah. is.
2: Ooh. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the picture book then. And okay. uh, Santa Baby by Jonathan Stult- Stutzman and Heather Fox.
0: Who um, brought us the wonder that is Llama Destroys the
1: Universe, yeah, <laughs> which is right? one of our favorite all-time <laughs> children's books.
2: Yeah. I know. Llama Destroys the World, Llama Unleashes yeah. the uh, uh, Alpaca. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to say.
1: <laughs> it really is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah, so so this new book, he, he stray they stray away from llamas and and barn barnyard animals and take on Santa himself. He, oh. uh,
0: okay. I mean he's kind of like a llama. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's only only really different. He probably has dancing pants and eats a lot of cake. I'm just saying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's part and that's part of the problem in the story is that he's he's feeling his age a little Uh-oh. bit and he asks the Christmas spirit to uh, make him a, make him younger so he has a little more, sp- you know, more of a spry step mm. except it works too well and yes. he goes all the way back to being a baby which freaks out the elves and
0: they're uh, they're looking to take over and make sure
2: (laughs) yeah so really cute another quirky little book from that from that duo nice Mm -hmm. cool uh then we go into the adult side and uh we've got a new louise penny
0: well Uh, everybody loves louise penny
2: yeah oh yeah her uh our fan base over the last three or four books has just grown exponentially. It's it's really been amazing because this is the sixteenth novel wow. in the series. And it's bigger than ever. Yeah. Um, I
1: didn't realize that she was at sixteen. That's crazy. Well, she's one of the few that we carry like her entire collection because people like her so much. And it's like, seriously, like people will read the first one and then they read the whole series.
0: Like, I mean, there's yeah. not, there's not really people that have dipped out. They, they go the distance.
2: <laughs> totally true. My, uh my mom um, even heard about her and she hadn't, you know, get out much. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she, she heard about Louise Penny and asked for the first book. I gave it to her and she read all 15 within about a month's time. Wow, and wow. So you know, just instant fans every time somebody picks her up. Uh, this one, the new one's called "All the Devils Are Here," and uh, her Inspector Gamache uh, and family go to Paris this time and uh, uncover a uh, a mystery in dealing with uh, his family.
0: Interesting. So they're she's bridging out from Three Pines. Very exactly,
2: exactly. <laughs> you know, everything's been centered on Three Pines for so long. Um, she's she's branching out. Field trip. <laughs> yeah, right. Family field trip to the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> uh, let see. The next one I've got, um, you may know his, this author's name too, Brandon Stanton. He was the author slash photographer of Humans of New York.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Yes. We've yes. We have a. Oh, this is the book that we have the advanced reader yeah. of that makes us cry. Yeah, like every time. Like <laughs> every time. You know, like
0: just nasty, ugly cry at work every time. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. It's going to be a beautiful book. Um, it's basically speaking of expanding and, you know, going out, expanding the audience. He, Mm uh, kind of like Louise Penny, you know, this is expanding from New York. It's now around the world. He went to, uh, 40 countries using 200 different interpreters just to speak to normal people.
1: Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. Um, we keep dipping in and out of it, and then we keep leaving it on each other's desk. It's
0: always <laughs> sad things with dogs. Yeah,
1: <laughs> every time. <laughs> uh,
2: maybe he'll do a, a a dogs of the world book next.
0: God, it would it will destroy my soul. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> but we expect that to be really big, huge print run. Um,
1: when is that coming out? What is its pub date?
2: That is October sixth.
1: Okay. All right, a good. Um, crybaby Christmas <laughs> present.
2: Yes. Totally. Totally. That's
1: <laughs> something that's that we're going to bond <laughs> together over. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're shooting for. Um, Very good. Yeah. Definitely a, a Christmas gift book. Yeah. Um, My next book is from Tor Books, and it has been picked as our, what we call our Macmillan book brag where yeah. the the entire McMillan family of companies gets behind one book each season and says okay. this is our favorite book of of the season. Um it's called The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V. E. Schwab
1: mm-hmm.
0: who has a fairly rabid fan base. Yeah.
2: <laughs> True. She she has grown a huge fan base in a very short time mm-hmm. and I think this book is really going to expand her even further. Um yeah because it does have like her previous books it's it's got a bit of a fantasy you know edge yeah. to it mm-hmm. it's a, it's a standalone so people can try her out for the first time mm-hmm. and that little bit of fantasy though is is just that it's a little bit the story itself is really a, kind of a mainstream story i think people <laughs> who have never picked up a a fantasy or sci-fi book um or even a tour book yeah would, uh, would enjoy this it's
1: well it's next on my list because i usually have one escapist book going mm-hmm. and i uh and i think yeah. that's going to be it well
0: and and several of our booksellers have read it and loved it and um yeah i think like i read her darker shades of magic series um which i really really liked i'm i'm looking forward to this one just because I follow her on Instagram, and I know she's been working on this for such a long time, and it was such a big thing for her when she finished it, like, that, that this was, this was going to be good. I'm yeah. excited.
1: Yeah, I'm excited.
2: Right. I, I really think it's going to be her breakout book. Just, it's yeah. going to bring her a whole new fan base. Yeah. And, uh, and it's really, really well, well written. I've, I've been really impressed by it.
1: And, and when is it? When is it officially hitting? When can our When can our customers actually have it in their hot little hands?
2: And officially, they could uh, buy it same day as Brandon Stanton, October sixth.
1: Okay, uh, all right. October sixth is going to be a big Tuesday. It is going to be a big Tuesday. Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah. So you know, everybody come to the store and get a stack of books that day, and then you'll Absolutely. be done with all your Christmas shopping.
1: There you go. Yep, <laughs> you'll be done.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to stick with tour with the for the next one too because. Uh, it's a really big season for them. They've got some really big name authors, and uh, this next one we uh, we're proud to have his first adult book. So Christopher Paolini,
1: oh yes, yes.
2: <laughs> who everybody knows from the Aragon series. Which... I
1: I have read all of them out loud to my kids. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, so he's branching out again, like these others, to new audiences and. He's written a an adult space opera, so going from fantasy fantasy to sci-fi now.
0: Will there be a dragon in it, though?
2: <laughs> no dragons.
1: No, no dragon. All right, I'm oh. not sure. I'm Will not sure I can handle be no like dragon. The, the troll-like people in it.
2: <laughs> well, instead we get uh, two new races of aliens. One kind of gross and squishy, and the other one really gross and really mean.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm down for that. Are, are there any nice aliens involved?
2: Um, so far, the humans seem okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's well, how you know it's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, it's, um, the story follows uh, Kira, who is a biologist who stumbles across an alien artifact on what they thought was an uninhabited planet, and uh, honestly, humans had not even... Run into aliens uh, before that, and uh, that sets her off on a you know universe wide a- adventure. Um, she meets up with this crew, this kind of motley crew of space smugglers, <laughs> uh, with a very Han Solo yes. uh, yes. 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 like captain. Scruffy nerf herders. A lot of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay,
1: <laughs> so Guardians of the Galaxy meets um, Star Wars. Yeah, totally. A little science.
2: Totally. That yes. pretty much nails it. It's so much fun. I um, <laughs> really enjoyed it. And it's and even though it, I don't believe it's going to be a series, but...
1: Um, you cannot write a space opera where it's not a series.
2: Well, true, but you, you'll get plenty with this. It's almost 900 pages.
1: Holy oh. crap! <laughs> oh. Well, it could have been a series. You could have done like 300 pages at a time and you've got your first, you know... Wow! Hi.
2: Wow! Instead, we just give it to you all at once and say, "Here you go"? Okay.
1: I, well,
0: you know what? I appreciate that because yeah. the, the waiting on the uh, the cliffhanger books, I, I don't do so well with that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't either. No. <laughs> I don't either. So okay. I, I, um, okay. So then, to totally switch lanes, um, we're gonna go literary.
1: Okay. Uh, you know, I like literary.
2: Right. So, from uh, Ferrar, Strauss, Giroux. Mm-hmm. Uh, their big book this fall is the new one from Marilyn Robinson, Jack.
1: Mm-hmm. Ah. Are we
2: continuing
1: is, in the same same day?
2: It is. It is part of the what I guess we call it the Gilead series, uh, okay. which began with Gilead and Home and Lila and now uh Jack. So all characters from the same sequence of novels. Uh, she's uh actually this one comes out September 29th. So okay.
0: The week before the big
1: day, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So you can come <laughs> yeah. a week before and scope out, scope out <laughs> that week also. But uh, every Marilyn Robinson book is a publishing event. You know, mm-hmm. People wait for her new books, and they love her. Um, and so it's going to be big. I mean, it's got starred reviews already. Um, yeah, so uh, so obviously, this one follows the character of Jack. Um, from Hence some, the, the name. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, she's kind of good at giving you what you what you expect. it's true. She's not
0: she's not a, like a bait and switch kind of gal. Nah.
2: No, no, no. But um, it's interesting th- though because it it follows his um, relationship and obviously the town and the time period in the '50s uh, where Jack and, marries um, a black woman and his and so it goes. It looks at those kind of issues from a 1950s slant. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting.
2: You know, compared to today. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be topical.
0: Yeah, de- definitely timely. Topical. Yeah. Yes.
2: And then um, I guess we could start talking about uh, your homework assignment
0: yes oh my gosh it was it was the most pleasant homework assignment i think i've ever had it was wonderful yeah um so the book is yeah jeff asked us to read susanna clark's um upcoming book uh is it piranisi is that how we say it
2: that's how i say it okay that's how i say it
0: too um and people might know susanna clark as the author of jonathan strange and mr norrell which Uh, Was another chunkster.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was eight hundred pages.
0: Yeah, that was that was a big big thing. This is definitely a departure from that um, in uh, in size for sure because this one was a a one sitting reading for me. It was like two hundred and forty
1: pages or something like that. It was for me as well. I um it is two forty five. Yeah, weighs in at (laughs) two forty five.
2: Very a very condensed version of. Of what she likes to do, which yeah, I liked, yeah. it was uh, it, it brought in some of those uh, same themes that she looked at in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell about you know a world behind a world, the <laughs> world, and you know uh, m- everyday magic that we don't see, right, yes. and, and kind, of- kind of condensed those themes
1: yeah yeah it reminded me of um i don't know i I don't know that melissa's read um charles williams who was one of the inklings and he he his books always had a christian theme but it was also this otherworldly and magic and um but but just sort of um yeah that things aren't as you imagine they are yeah and and that Mm -hmm. there's more to the world than you really think there is and um and yeah i just I loved it. Well, and for me, like, the thing it
0: reminded me a lot of was Aaron Morgenstern's Starless Sea. Um, But, and and Jessica knows how much I love Aaron Mm -hmm. Morgenstern. I thought this was almost kind of a better version of that because it was much less ambiguous than the Starless Sea was. Um, Mm -hmm. And I... I appreciated that because there were moments in the Starless Sea where I'm like, oh my God, your writing is beautiful, but what the hell are you saying
1: to me? (laughs) No, I appreciated this one just because of that. And I, I also love the Starless Sea and the Night Circus, but I found the writing in here much more um, concise, Mm -hmm. uh, but not any less wonderful and beautiful. Yeah. It really, um, uh, it's uh, it will definitely be one of my favorites. I mean, it it did remind me of the ocean when I read. You know, for people who like in here, the ocean at the end of the lane, Madeline, Mil- Madeline Miller's Circe. Um, yeah, that's 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 me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you were right. correct. Yes. So.
2: and it and it's another one of those books which has you know a bit of a a, a bit of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Kind of to it, um, but in a timeless fashion that's you know won't turn off people who've never read fantasy or say, "I, yeah, I don't read fantasy or sci-fi." Um, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and I have to ask: is this the final packaging for the book? Like, this is what the cover is going to be?
2: Yes. Okay, uh, because
0: it's beautiful, and it I, is like beautiful. I love the cover for this, so I'm very excited to have well, this it's... on my bookshelf in final form.
1: Yeah, and it it is. Just enough misleading so that you fall into the fantasy of who, 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 and I don't want to give too much away, so I shouldn't say anymore.
0: Yeah, well, it's one of those ones that I find it difficult to kind of talk to people about because there, it you don't want to give it away, you don't exactly. want to ruin it for people, mm-hmm. but it's so brilliant and so good that I just want to talk about it. But yes, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've I've kind of found myself. You know having that same problem it's like oh I want to tell you but I can't because it you know if you just give a plot synopsis it kind of blows it
0: yeah, yeah it will completely can. ruin it yeah
2: yeah and yeah. it's it's, it it's more about talking about you know themes that she that she covers in there and and uh, I think I was telling you a little bit earlier that you know to prep for this I've I read it you know four or five months ago mm-hmm. and uh so I started rereading it yesterday and I'm finding just new layers to the story mm-hmm. on the, the second read. And, uh, you know, things about, you know, the innocence and, and the loss of innocence and how knowledge can, can you know, almost, almost biblical in some sense. And then,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then no, in it, other
2: ways, kind of mythological too. You know, you've got minotaur statues. We'll just yeah. Mean, mm-hmm. okay.
0: Well, I've heard, um, two different editors from bloomsbury talking about this on various like bookseller things and Mm -hmm. they always call it a puzzle box of a book and i think that that's like a perfect description Mm -hmm. of it because there are like all those different layers and i'm actually really excited to reread it yeah because i think there's a lot of stuff that I just didn't catch the first time because I was just like devouring it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will definitely reread it. And, um, I, I did discuss this with Melissa though. And, um, I don't think it gives anything away to say that it has one of the most perfect endings. Yes. That I've come across in a long time. I mean, it's yes. just spot on perfect. Mm-hmm. Cersei was one of those books for me. So I, this, yeah. Just I know and I was, I was so
2: fun. happy at the yeah. end when when I was like oh thank goodness a good ending or well a satisfying ending yeah satisfying ending yeah, yeah.
1: Satisfying yeah. Ending. yeah. Um, definitely yeah
2: it yeah. doesn't always happen
1: no no it does not always happen <laughs> yeah it's it's
2: rarer than one would hope
1: I know <laughs>
2: yeah yeah well that's what I liked about Piranesi too it was it was soothing in a way mm-hmm mm-hmm Because as you slowly try to, you know, like you say, you know, disentangle the puzzle, you're you're kind of experiencing it with him as as he discovers.
0: Well, I love that it's escapist and not stupid. Like it's Mm -hmm. an incredibly smart book, um, but it just. I, it was a joy to read it. It, it, really like, was. it wasn't
1: work to read, and I wasn't slogging through it. Like it, mm-hmm. it was a nice oh, case. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to exactly. me, I would have a- turned around and just reread it if I had had time, because I didn't want to mm-hmm. leave that world at all. Yeah,
2: and that's that's I think I said earlier too, is that you know I was. I'd read it so you know so many months ago. I just wanted to refresh my memory, and yeah, I'm you know three quarters of the way through it again, and I'm just like, okay, I've got no problem rereading this. You know? Yeah, and, it's,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. And so it, it comes out in September, is that right?
2: It is uh, September fifteenth.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, and and to our customers, sorry, we we are going to try to sell you this book because we love it so much. Yes, to all <laughs> our listening listening friends out there, um, just know that this is not us pushing it just to push it. We really loved it. Yes, <laughs> really, really loved
0: it. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. Thank Jess. You. Bye. 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 All right, everybody. That's all we have for this week. We'll be back in two weeks with some more book recommendations. So everybody be well and read books. Bye.